Ecclesiastes chapter 11, starting reading at verse 1. This is God's word. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the north or the south, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Amen. We thank God for this reading from his truth, and we're going to pray now and ask for his help to understand it. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we praise you that you have brought each one of us here to this place today. That with you, there are no accidents. And you have brought us specifically, personally, to hear from this very passage of your word. We thank you that you want to speak to each one of us. And so... We pray that we are here, O God, and we are listening. Open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit and speak powerfully into each one of our lives. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I know that it's much too late Uh, to go back now and change things. But I'm very much of the mind that this series in Ecclesiastes is something that would have been of great benefit to us before the COVID pandemic. Uh, This this book of, of God's word has forced us into thinking about how we live our lives. And it's made us think about it in a way that we probably weren't comfortable with before the pandemic, but we might be more used to now. It's forced us to think about how we will live in light of the fact that we will die someday. And that might be a really helpful thing for each one of us to think through. If you knew for certain that you were going to die tomorrow, how would you live today? The way that you answer that question reveals a lot about the things that you value. Would you cram in all your time possible with your family? Would you maybe go off to see one of the great sites of our country? Would you spend all your money that you have on food? Maybe you would make arrangements to try and go skydiving. Ecclesiastes isn't saying that you're going to die tomorrow. 
But it is saying to us all that you're going to die someday. So how will you live today? It's a bit like that idea of a bucket list. You've heard of a bucket list, the the things you want to do before you kick the bucket. Maybe some of those things I've already mentioned. Maybe you want to see the Grand Canyon. Maybe you want to eat in a Michelin-starred restaurant. Take a shopping trip down the Champs-Élysées. Feel what it's like to float in the red, the Dead Sea. What's it like to ride an ostrich? Hug a koala? Swim with dolphins? These are the kind of things people have on their bucket list. Mine is to follow the British and Irish Lions on a rugby tour around New Zealand. Probably in a VW camper. I think that would be pretty cool. What is on your bucket list? Ecclesiastes forces us to think about that. It shows us very clearly that life in this world is going to end. And none of us know when. Not one of us know when our lives are going to end. So, how are you going to live today? What difference does that make to you today and tomorrow, knowing that this life is going to be over? someday. Our passage today is once again forcing us to think that through, forcing us to contend with this fact that none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. It's not quite that explicit. It's not saying that you might die tomorrow. It's really pointing us to the fact that there are things that we know in life for sure and for certain, but then there are other things which we just don't know. Things which are totally uncertain. One example is death itself. We all know that we will die. We know that for sure. But we don't know when. We have no idea when. And so this passage is making us think about how we live today in light of those things. The things that we know for sure and for certain and the things that we just don't know. And I think that's why it would have been Helpful to have it before COVID. Maybe then it wouldn't have come as such a shock to us. Nobody saw the lockdowns coming. But in this passage that we're looking at today, it prepares us to live in light of the things that we don't see coming. So what do we know for sure? What do we know for sure? Well, look at verse 3. If the clouds are full of rain... They empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. If a tree falls in the woods, we might not hear it fall, but we can be sure that it will stay there unless someone or something comes to move it. A fallen tree cannot move itself. And when the clouds come in and they're dark and brooding, we can be pretty sure that it's going to rain. I know many of you did get to Balmoral show last week. I'm sure it was enjoyable. But I also know that it presents many farming families with a tough choice. Do we stay at home and get uh, to work on the farm and maybe even get ahead with things? Or do we go to the show and enjoy the crack? And as I was writing this sermon, 
on Thursday. The show had started, obviously, and it was absolutely chucking it down with rain. And I wondered to myself, are there any farmers out there who thought, I'll not go to the show, I'll get ahead with silage, and then the rain came and you couldn't bring the silage in either? If we were able to know the future, wouldn't that change the way that we live today? Ecclesiastes is telling us there are some things we do know. We know when the rain's going to fall. We see the clouds. We know that a fallen tree will lie where it has fallen unless there's some industrious person about with a chainsaw to clear it away. But the truth is, there are many things we don't know. Because sometimes the clouds come in and they're just clouds. There's no rain falling. I know that you realise I'm not incredibly well domesticated, but last week there was at least one occasion when I looked out to see the rain pelting down and the washing on the line. And I thought, I'll be a dutiful husband and father. And I don't want the washing to get soaked, so I ran out into the rain and I brought it in. And then as soon as I got it in, you know what happened. The rain stopped and the sun started beaming down. It was that kind of week last week with the weather. I would love to tell you that I put the washing back out onto the line in the sun, but I can't tell lies in the pulpit. You see, there are things we know and there are things we don't know. Things we know for sure and for certain, and then there are things that we just don't know. Look at verse 5. You do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. The Bible is clear about this in more than one place. There are some things that we just don't know. We're totally unsure about. We might think we know. We, we might think we know about the wind, but we don't know where the wind is going. We don't know where the wind is going to blow. We don't know how a child is formed in the womb of their mother. God makes this point very plainly in the book of Job. Remember the story of Job? He was a man who lost everything he had. He lost his wealth. He lost his possessions. He lost all of his children. What did he manage to hold on to? Well, he managed to hold on to an unhelpful wife and even less helpful friends. And all of this led Job to question God. He basically asked God, what have I done to deserve this? He proclaims his own excellent character and his behaviour and he questions God, why would you allow these disasters to come upon me? And there's this section near the end of Job from chapter 38 onwards. Where God responds. God answers Job's questions. He says this. I'm going to read you a section. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you? When I laid the foundations of the earth. Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. 
Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? Have you entered the treasury of snow? Or have seen the treasury of hail? By what way is light diffused? Or the east wind scattered over the earth? I could go on and on. Job 38 is a wonderful chapter of God's word which teaches us the same truth as Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5. There are so many things that we just don't know. I don't know them. You don't know them. But God does know them. God knows all these things. And so... We come to some application for our passage today. Some things we know for sure, some things we don't know. So how are we going to live? What do we do with this information from God's word? As I said earlier in the service, I'm headed off to Belfast this week for some training. It's a a two-night and three-day training course for all those ministers who have been ordained in the last five years. And I'm really looking forward to it. But again, and I hate to bang on about weather, but how do I pack? What's lying ahead of us in this next week? Do I need a raincoat? Is it going to be warm? I mean, are we talking shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops kind of weather? Or is it still jeans and a jumper kind of weather? Do I need to bring a heavy coat? Or will I be sweltered in a heavy coat between rainstorms? Tell me I'm not the only one whose mind is flooded with those kind of questions when preparing for a trip. I'm only going to Belfast. Even a day at Balmoral show last week required to be dressed for three or four different types of weather in the one day. I just don't know what to expect. I don't know for sure. But I do know that I need to be dressed and I do know that just packing shorts and t-shirts is probably not that much use. I have to plan and prepare for life in the next few days. So how do I live in a world where there are things that I know and things that I don't know? It's a bit bit of an illustration for how we all live our lives. It can be really intimidating to live in a world where we just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But this is where the Bible has real and genuine wisdom for us today. Because the things we do know for sure can help us live in face of the things that we don't know for sure. I want to offer two principles from our passage today about life in this world. Ways that knowing the truth of God who is above the sun helps us to live here and now below the sun. The first principle is trust God and live life. And the second principle is is hold the things of this world loosely and be generous. Very briefly, we're going to think through both of them. First of all, trust God and live life. Look with me at verse 6 of Ecclesiastes 11. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. We can plant a seed, we can water a seed, we can watch a seed, 
But as Paul says with the seed of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Friends, life is uncertain. None of us can guarantee that the rain will fall or the sun will shine. We don't know how to force a seed to germinate. Yes, we can give it all of the right conditions, but it is God who causes it to grow. And so as the old hymn says, I do not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. We live in an uncertain world, a world filled with things of great joy and delight, but also filled with deep sorrow and despair. And I don't know what you will face tomorrow. And you don't know what you will face tomorrow. There are things we do not know. But the Bible is very clear to us today. God knows and we should place our trust in him. We cannot and we should not be paralysed or frozen because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We simply trust God and we live our lives. Ecclesiastes 6, 11, or sorry, 11, 6, chapter 11, verse 6 says, plant the seed. Don't worry that you have no idea if it's going to sprout or not. Leave that to God. Even more than that, to, to mix the metaphors a wee bit, it kind of says don't put all your eggs in one basket either. Look again at the second part of verse 6. So in the morning you've planted a seed, in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. In the morning plant the seed, in the evening do something else. Don't just sit there binge watching Netflix in the hope that the seed is going to grow. Get busy doing something else. I think Paul demonstrates this in Corinthians. Jesus teaches it in the Gospels. And it's really helpful to us in the church. We should scatter the seed of the Gospel far and wide. Don't be content just to tell one person about Jesus and and hope that that's the one that's going to bear fruit. Tell loads of people and leave the growth up to God. Here in this congregation, we have lots of people from lots of different backgrounds and we've all come to be here today in different ways. And so if we were to only use one way, one means of sharing the gospel or to try and reach only one group of people, we would be failing to trust that it is God who gives the growth. We need to reach out to all kinds of people knowing that we can plant and we can water, but it's up to God to cause the seed of the gospel to grow and bear fruit. But let's bring it back to the personal. Trust God and live life. You don't know what tomorrow will bring and neither do I. So as I said before, enjoy each and every day that God gives you in this world. Do your work Not just because it brings you money, but because you actually enjoy it. 
Eat your food, not because it gives you the energy to keep going, but because it tastes good. God could have made food boring and bland. He could have made it mere fuel for the body, but he didn't. He made it sweet and salty and meaty and bitter and delicious. Just think about the fact that it's taken us to get to the 21st century to discover that salt and caramel go together really well. Just imagine what else is out there waiting for us to discover. God made this world and he made everything in it and he's placed you here in this place at this time and nothing is an accident. All of this God has worked together for your good. So enjoy it. Enjoy what God has given you. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But that is all the more reason to trust God and enjoy living life today. But live in a way that recognises that everything could be gone tomorrow. Enjoy life, but keep your eyes fixed on eternity. That brings us to the second principle. Hold the things of this world loosely and be generous. Enjoy the things of this world, but not in such a way that if they were taken from you, you wouldn't be able to keep going. Don't place that weight on created things. Only God, the creator, can carry that weight. We don't know what lies around the corner, so hold on to the things of this world very loosely. Don't grasp at time and money and stuff. Hold it loosely, and that enables you to be generous. Verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 11 is a very well-known verse, but that doesn't mean it's that easy to understand. You see it there, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. This has been interpreted throughout the history of the church as a command to give of our wealth to the poor. It's about using the things that we have been given, like bread, to share with others for their benefit and they're good. Verse 2 is very similar. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Seven in the Bible is a number of wholeness, a number of completeness. And so an instruction to give away seven, even eight, is an instruction to give all that you have and then give even a little bit more. Calls us to be generous, to be ridiculously generous. Not hoarding our money and our time to ourselves, not to keeping a, such a tight hold on all that we have, but holding it loosely so that we can be generous with others. Here we see the preacher of Ecclesiastes once again thankfully applying gospel logic to life under the sun. He's allowing the perspective of eternity and the God who is above the sun to have an impact on the way he lives under the sun. This is very much the way Jesus spoke during his earthly ministry. John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. 
he who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Then there's Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. Whoever desires to come after me, says Jesus, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And so there's a clear principle here for Christian life. The way up to glory is down to suffering. The way to find is to lose. The way to get is to give. Hold the things of this world loosely and be generous. Friends, this is based not only on the things Jesus said, but the things he did. Jesus lived out this principle. He, the Son of God, who made the heavens and the earth, went homeless. He wandered from place to place. He gave up on the pleasures and comforts of this world for the good of other people. He was generous with his time and his gifts. As for money, well, it would seem that his bank account was non-existent. All that he might have ever made was given away. Do you want to be like Jesus? Well, enjoy the life that God has given you. Trust him for tomorrow and the day after. And hold loosely to the things of this world. Be generous. Worldly wisdom does not appreciate this kind of teaching. Worldly wisdom says, keep what you have. Store it up. Pile it high, as high as possible. The Bible says, hold it loosely. Use what you have to bless others. Again, this is very much the Jesus way, the Christian way. Christ's ultimate giving away was when he gave away his life on the cross. He gave away himself. And his whole life was laid down. Not just one tenth of it. Not just half of it. He laid down his whole life. He didn't hold back. He fully paid for your sins and for mine. His generosity offers you and me life. Resurrected life. Everlasting life. This is the act of a man who trusted God and lived life. A man who held the things of this world loosely and was generous. The goal of our faith is to be like Jesus. That's how we live. In this crazy and mixed up and confused world where there are so many things that we don't know for sure. Because the one thing that we do know for sure is that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Let me pray for us.